0: Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 17 as we continue on part 6 now of our study on the heart of Jesus in prayer. And, you know, I I really enjoy also Brother uh, Kevin up here. There's one thing. You notice when we get done singing as a congregation, he says, that's great singing. I'm standing on this side of him singing into his ear. What are you laughing at? Okay. (laughs) Okay. But I better get on instead of doing that. Okay. John chapter 17 and verse 6 is our text here for this morning. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now, when you're manifesting God's name, you're not saying, Jehovah, you're not saying Jesus, you're not saying names like that is the manifestation. It's manifesting the person and who He is. His name is Jesus. We call the Father God. We can say Jehovah. We can say Yahweh. Say Jesus Christ. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But understand, when you're manifesting his name unto unto others you're manifesting his person and that's the person who died for us Amen. and rose from the dead well let's have a word of prayer before we get into the message father i pray now that as we go into your word that you would just take it over lord and just any word that comes out of my mouth i pray that it would be stirred up and laid on my heart and mind through thy spirit. I pray that through it, Lord, thy Holy Spirit would speak to each heart according to the very need that is in each one in this auditorium, each one who's listening on uh, the radio station today, each one who's watching live stream. Lord, I pray that thy Holy Spirit would speak to their heart and give what their heart needs, whatever the problem, whatever the need, I pray that that, along with the direction for their life, that you would do that, not through me, but through thy word as it goes out in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, you know, when we've been looking here at John 17, this John 17, just a quick reminder, John 17 is the, what is a lot referred to as the high priestly prayer. Of Jesus Christ. That's a good terminology because Jesus Christ is our great high priest, according to the Word of God. And I have yet to find a mistake in the Word of God. Now, I do find them if they change the version and make a new version out of it, then there's all kinds of mistakes, there's thousands of them. But uh, they stick with the right one, the King James Bible, then you've got the right version of the Bible. But nonetheless, those are the words of God. Those are the words that have the power of God in them. They were breathed out by God. And so as we look at that, and we're looking into this chapter, we're seeing prayer from the very heart of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus, as he's praying here, He knows that He's going to be crucified within the next 48 hours. He's going to be crucified. He knew what crucifixion was. Many people had seen crucifixion. They knew that it was designed to be one of the worst torture that a person could ever have. And and that was just the thing that happened in those days. And when somebody was going to be put on the cross, it's just kind of like an event where people go out and they watch um, uh, a boxing match or a fighting match or they watch other kind of things that go on just to see that somebody gets hurt, somebody gets killed maybe. Just the things they watch to see what's going to happen. And, And that's the way it was with a crucifixion. But Jesus knows more than what anybody had suffered on the cross. Now let me just insert here, and I'll probably insert it again, but The physical pain that Jesus suffered on the cross wasn't more than perhaps other men had suffered on a cross. That's the physical pain. But what he did suffer, that no man had suffered, was the outpoured wrath of Almighty God on his human spirit. The whole time, those men are being so vile. Vile in their words. Mocking him. Just spitting on them. Everything they've done. And continually, through that crucifixion. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. People say, well, that's just when they were starting to put the nails in his hands. So no, it was written in a Greek tense that has the idea of that he continued to pray that. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Imagine the pain he's going through physically, but that's not the worst pain. The worst pain for him is when his own heavenly father pours out his almighty wrath upon his human soul. Why? Because your sin, my sin is upon him at that very moment. And because it is, the wrath of God in its almightiness, is poured out on that human spirit of Christ. And he had the power to lay his life down, but he had the power to take it up right again. He could have just come off the cross right at that moment, but he didn't. But he did that for us. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. Is that Jesus Christ on the cross is suffering like no man has ever suffered before. And because God is holy. And this... Teaches us, it shows us the absoluteness of His holiness. Then, when it it was my sin, Jesus was sinless. It was my sin that was upon Him, it was your sin that was upon Him. He's the sinless Son of God. He knew no sin, but He became sin for us. That is, all my sin, all our sin on Him that drew that outpoured wrath. The holiness of God shows that even though it was his only begotten son, his attitude about sin did not change. And therefore, the wrath of God was poured out on him to pay the penalty for our sin. And it was for the sin of the whole world. Jesus died for every person that has ever lived. But every person, since we're all made in the image of God, every person has a free will. You see, God is a spirit, the Bible says. If God is a spirit, and we were made in the image of God, we don't see God with a body. No, we don't see that. Jesus' body wasn't the body he had in heaven. He was a spiritual body in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three divine persons in one divine essence. That's God. And that's who come to die for our sins. He, he came here knowing what he was going to face. And he's knowing what the full extent of this is going to be in 48 hours when he goes to that cross. So his prayer is in that Setting. This is the thing about his prayer that is so very important. As we've told you before, yes, he could have called 12 legions of angels, but as the psalm says, he died alone for you and for me. Yes, why did he die for us? Because there was a hell. A hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Sometimes you've heard people out in public make fun of those uh, hellfire and brimstone preachers. Well, if they end up in hell, I wonder how much they're going to laugh about that. You know, I I mean, I I don't think any of us would, and I don't think God will, but I don't think anybody would holler down there, well, how funny is it now that you made fun of it and you laughed about? Is it as funny as you thought it was? No, there's nobody in hell feeling that way. As a matter of fact, the rich man in hell said, Father Abraham, send somebody to to my brothers that they may tell them of this place. They might repent and not come to this place. The angels, when there was a legion of angels thrown out of one man by Jesus Christ, they requested That they go into a herd of swine instead of being sent there before the time. They knew what hell is. The angels, those fallen angels, those angels of the devil. They fear hell. They believe it is real. They know it is real. If You're making fun of it. Your intellectual level is below even the devil's. At least they believe it. But it's too late for them, but it's not too late for you. You're still breathing. You're still alive. God gave you free will so you could decide to believe and receive him or reject him. So we were talking yesterday in the services here for uh, Brother Sanzone. In John chapter 11, Martha comes out to meet her uh, her Savior, Jesus Christ. She goes to have to meet him. said, Lord, if thou not been here, my brother would not have died. And he says, well, he's he's going to live. He's going to live again. She said, yeah, I know in the resurrection he's going to live. But you know what? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then the next verse says, And whosoever, not limited to one person, not limited to just special people here and there. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, now listen to that. There is an opportunity for everyone in this world to get saved. Do you know what Jesus is telling us here in this 17th chapter of his prayer? He's wanting faith promise. He wants to work through his people. He's been training his disciples. All those disciples are now with him. And so to this day, he's still training disciples. Every one of us who named the name of Christ should be a student of Christ, and therefore we're in the Word of God. And as a Christian, as a believer, We must not only believe, but he said, he that liveth and believeth. Let your life be dedicated and directed by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you work in a factory, you're God's representative. Living the example. Living according to his word. Testifying his name. If you work in cells, you're still his example. If you work in law enforcement, you're still his example. If you are one who is in education, you are still his example. You're living according to his word. It's whosoever liveth and believeth in him. As a Christian, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And many of you can say, I know I'm saved. But are we living it? Are we living it? That's the question. Now, just think. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. That means Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, have known these works all from the beginning. Every bit. Yet with the free will, he's provided an opportunity for us to repent. Even as Christians, repentance is needed in our lives when we're starting to stray and go other ways. We need to say, wait a minute, this is wrong. This isn't right. i got to get it right. Uh, Some of you understand that with your children. And those children, they're growing up. That something would go on. You catch them doing something. And then you deal with it. Then you catch them again. And the second time, you deal with it. Now, if all those on the live stream, those different uh, groups that carry us, will just take a deep breath, sit down, take an aspirin or something. The belt is made for that, to get that straightened out. Oh, I wouldn't beat my child with a belt. It's evident that you don't. And because you don't, you're looking to send a child off into hell or off into the worst kind of a life that if they are saved, they're going to end up saved so as by fire. Now, if you can find a lie in the Bible, then show it to me. Then I'll show you why you're wrong. But he said, he told us how to spank a child. No, it didn't say belt, it said rod. But they spanked their children. But they were to spank those children in love. That's how you do it. you spank them in love. You take that child aside and say, Look, this is wrong. You should never have done this. This is wrong. We've told you about that. You've been warned. Now's the consequences. That's just like witnessing the gospel to somebody. They turn it away, Said, well, no, not now, not now, not now. Then they die suddenly. They're going to hell. But they were warned, they were warned, they were warned. And every time someone gets before Jesus Christ uh, at the white throne judgment, when he's sitting there, and there comes people up there that have heard the gospel, they've sat in the church like this somewhere else, someone, individual, has witnessed the gospel to them, some missionaries witnessed the gospel to them, and they said, well, Lord, Lord, I didn't know this. Uh, let, let me play the replay here where you heard that. One after another. Well, I just didn't believe him. I just didn't believe her. Yes, well, they were telling you my word. Do you believe me? I believe you now. Yeah, it's too late. And they're cast into the eternal lake of fire. You see, a Faith Promise Conference, Goes right along with the heart of Jesus' prayer. Because he wanted souls to get saved. He knows what he's facing. He's sweating drops so thick. They're as thick as blood, the Bible tells us. As those drops fall in his prayer. He knows what he's facing. He knows what the wrath of Almighty God the Father is. As he pours out it upon his body. He knew this ahead of time, but in love he was willing to do it. Why? The Bible tells us God is love. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus telling his disciples, A new commandment I give it to you. Not as the world gives unto you. He says, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, uh, to love one another. As I have loved you. And it's interesting, as you go through the New Testament, you'll find different places where he's talking about loving the brethren, loving the brethren, loving the brethren. It is said that John the Apostle, in his last days, they, were, they would have to carry him around on, the, on, on a stretcher. And so as they would carry him around on that, uh, he'd see people come by and he'd say, Love one another, love one another. Somebody finally said, John, why are you saying that all the time? And the way one wrote it was this way. Because Jesus said, love one another. What's wrong with that? What's what's your argument? Why do you have a problem with that? (laughs) You know? If a church displays the love for one another. Now, look. You won't like what other people do. You, you may not like the personality. You may not like the, like the way they do things. I mean, you get that in the hole. No. No, actually, use, use a spoon. Don't use your hand. That's soup, you know. And, and, and don't pick up the bowl and drink the milk. You know, and, and yeah, you don't want to see that. Don't ask my wife if she's seen me do that. (laughs) I'll wait till she's in the shower. Okay. But nonetheless, what I'm saying is this. That was so important to God on the cross. The reason he's on the cross is that since he could have come off at any time, he's nailed up there by his love. They couldn't have even driven the spikes in his hands had his love not allowed it. And then his love constantly praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. How many out there in this woke society, look, you don't have to say, is, is that a man when it's born a man? You don't have to say, is that a woman when it's born a woman? Well, you know, they have a new, new gender names now, new pronouns. So, I can go out and call, call my car a BMW. Hey, I want you to refer to my car now as a BMW. I don't care if it is a Volkswagen. Okay, well, you say, oh, come on, preacher, that's dumb. Yeah, I know, just dumb. I'm, I'm demonstrating how dumb it is that when a man is a, uh, is a male, that you call him a man. And a girl is a, a female. Okay, call her a girl. See, that's the Bible. That's the way God made us. Guess who designed creation? Not a big explosion way out in space somewhere. God created the heavens and the earth. And if people don't believe that, there's going to be a day, the Bible tells 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse, uh, verses 9 and following, he says, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. You know, the idea of elements there in that Bible in its Greek is the, is the smallest The smallest things of matter. He's talking about atoms. He's talking about atoms. Back in the day, the Greek language. You know, God had a reason for using the Greek language for uh, this New Testament. And that's one of the reasons right there. And what happens when an atom is split? Fourth of July, all over the world. Okay. Okay. Because boom. They split Adam. It's over. I mean that's big time. And what I'm trying to say here. Is that on that cross. That person that's on the cross. His Holy Spirit. Will one day breathe out words to Peter. Who will write down there. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And when you see all of that put together once the stars of the sky, once all the planets of this, of this world, then they're going to find out something. He's going to create a new heaven, new earth, and he's going to do it the same way. First time he did it, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Do You ever think about this? He said, let there be light, and there was light. Then a few days later, he makes the sun. Uh, Wait a minute. You didn't have a sun? Those first days when there was light? No. Why? Jesus is the light of the world. He had the light out there already. But for man's sake, because man is human and flesh, He made a sun and a moon and the stars. Read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. As you go along, you'll find there that He has named. Every star and planet, and he has set the course for them. He has measured the waters in his hands. He could tell you how much water is in the Pacific Ocean. He's God. He's the creator. And he's the one that loves your soul so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And by the way, we know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all involved in creation. For the Bible says of uh, Jesus in John chapter 1, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. We're also told that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And the Father said, let us make man in our image. And he said, Let there be light, and there was light. He allowed the light to shine. Now, folks, there's two things I want to just point out here as we get ready to close here in a moment. Number one, if you're a Christian, you're saved, and you're starting to rebel at standards. You're starting to rebel when, when we take a stand. You say, why can't we have that music? Uh, why can't we watch this? Why can't we go to this thing? Or that thing? Well, yeah, it might be fleshly, but look, we're good Christians. It won't bother us. Then why do you want to go? And see, The biggest lie that you tell is not to others, it's to yourself. You make up lies to tell somebody to try to justify it. But really the biggest lie you tell is to yourself. And here we are in the last days, and here we are seeing a Christian who's getting away from the very call of God on their life. Again, Jesus Christ on the cross, he never left his call. He fulfilled it all because he wanted to save us, and then he wanted to lead us. That's why he preserved this word of God. Now, let's live accordingly. If you've gotten away from the Lord, you don't witness, won't even hand out a track. Your prayer life has gone down the drain. Your Bible time has gone down the drain. You don't have that time now with those little children in your home where you read the Bible and pray with them. It's time to wake up. Not woke up, wake up, okay, and get it right with God. We're going to be seeing missionaries starting on Wednesday, going through next Sunday, who are leaving with their wife and children. They're leaving home. They're leaving whatever security they had here. And they're going to a place where the culture they're not familiar with, the people they don't know, they'll even most of them will have to go and learn a new language. And they'll learn what hard times are more than what they lived in America. And i found that those who are truly committed stick with it. But, you know, why can't we stick with it and be what God wants us to be in this country? Why can't we live holy lives that are separated from sin and separated unto God? That's what he wants. So that's for the Christian. But the second thing is this. If you're not sure if you die today, that heaven's your home. Uh, why do you play Russian roulette with your soul? You know, God has not promised you that you're going to live to a certain day. He knows when you're going to die. But you don't. You don't. But God, if you're still breathing, has give, still given you a chance today. Instead of being worried about, well, what would people think of me if I go down and I receive Christ as my Savior? Uh, What will they think when you're in hell burning forever and ever and ever, never ceasing to exist, never being able to escape? See, that's why we find out that now is the accepted time. Now is the time to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're not sure you're saved today. Don't, don't, don't play Russian roulette any longer with your soul. Your life could end this very day. Don't mess with that at all. Let's bow our heads please.